Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the Danger Room, the X-Men Comics Commentary Podcast. My name's Adam. And my name is Jeremy. And we are here this week to discuss Uncanny X-Men number 248, the September 1989 issue on sale May 16th of uh, 1989. The cover price of a dollar. This one's titled The Cradle Will Fall. Yes, it is. And on the cover, we see Colossus pulling apart some wreckage. And he's saying, why, Havok, trademark? Why did you kill Storm, trademark? Yeah, her trademark's on the bottom for some reason. Yeah. And uh, Havok, he's got his little bubbly plasma power, and he's shocked. Um, Betsy's in the background. She's she's not quite as shocked as Havok, but she looks disappointed, maybe. Maybe even cross. Uh, And in the foreground, we see a, I guess, killed Storm. I guess so. She did. This is uh, this is another issue where we sort of spoil the ending, just like the last issue. Remember that? You mean issue number two forty nine, where they also spoil the cover, the issue with the cover? No, that was two forty seven. What's what was two forty seven's cover? Where a rogue gets sucked into the. Oh portal. yeah, yeah. It's like, it's like a trilogy of. Here's what we're doing, people. This one also says now on sale twice a month, but as far as I can tell. It doesn't start until next month that the Uncanny X-Men goes on sale twice a month. Because this month we just get September, but next month we get October and then mid-October or late October or whatever. Yeah, this was maybe just to get the kids all excited. I, I remember when I was a kid going to the comic book store, when I would see that now on sale twice a month, I was like, oh yeah, double the action. I suppose if X-Men comes out later in the month and then two weeks later you have your first October issue, then you could technically say it's now on sale twice a month. Yeah, totally. All right, that works. That works. We should point out that this is the second time that we're recording this episode, uh, (laughs) just because we need to spoil the magic. Sometimes this happens to us. This is only the second time it's ever happened to us. I would like to point that out, uh, which is a pretty impressive track record. 293 episodes and only two redos. So if we sound jaded... That's why. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I had debated about, can we just do this one in like 10 minutes and tack it on to the next issue? <laughs> just, it's a twofer. Sorry. Screwed it up. This is what happens. Done. Next issue episode. But no, the full thing, the full experience here, because that's how much we care. Yeah, man. Um, we're also three weeks away from when we actually did it the first time. So some of the detail might be lost in the wash, but you won't know because you don't know what magic we recorded the first time. Oh, it was so magical. Yeah. Actually, as I was listening to whatever was salvageable of the episode, uh, I sounded very sleepy. So this may actually be a better experience. <laughs> okay, good. That's good. <laughs> we're improving on our uh, prior performance. Yeah, 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 totally. Uh, so we open this thing up. It is called The Cradle Will Fall, as you say. Uh, Wolverine is jumping out at us in a dynamic pause, uh, uh, pause, pose. And in the next panel, uh, well, actually it says his, Wolver- his name is Wolverine. He's the best at what he does. It isn't enough. And a whole bunch of bullets riddle through his body and he's pushed backwards. And that's how we open up this issue. It's uh, written by Chris Claremont, penciled by Jim Lee. This is, what, like the first issue Jim Lee's penciled of the X-Men? They reprinted this issue, so I'm, I got to imagine that, yeah, this is the first one. Yeah. Uh, Dan Green is the inker, Gl- Glennis Oliver is the colorist, Tom Orzakowski is the letterer, Bob Harris, or 
Yeah. Bob Harris is the editor. Tom DeFalco is the Lord High Executioner. Uh, I think I have the reprint. Wasn't the reprint? I mean, I think I have the original and I think I have the reprint. The reprint wasn't some of the cover like highlighted in gold or something. Yeah. The original is pink, like a pink sky background and the, uh, the reprint is gold or kind of a, yeah, I guess it's gold. So they must have, I feel like this was a thing right around this time where they would take hot issues and then maybe six to 12 months reprint it with the gold foil. Um, I think this might be the first one. I don't know. It's, uh, in the nineties, it becomes a regular thing. Yeah. Then you end up with like silver, uh, and gold and embossed and you know, all sorts of things to get you to buy more comic books. But I, as far as my collection is concerned, I feel like you're right in terms of this being probably the first kind of gold reprint. I mean, doing a reprint isn't a new thing, right? There's uh, second edition, third or second printing, third printing is what they used to call them. And it was just like printed uh, inside kind of by the information box. But I guess the gold was to maybe make it like a little bit more special. So like if you're a completionist, you just got to buy it because the cover's different. I guess. I mean, the, I think maybe part of the idea is that if it goes up in value too, then more people have access to it because there's now there's now a greater desire. I bet you it's less altruistic and more um, uh, capitalistic as in like, yeah, well, oh probably. my God, Jim Lee's hot. Let's get all of his old stuff out and print it, print it, print it. How do we make it special? I don't know. He's got this gold foil in the back we don't know what to do with. Throw that on the cover. So I don't know when the second printing came out. However, it is it is whenever Marvel Comics are $1.25. So the price has gone up, and there's like a 30th anniversary of The Amazing Spider-Man in the bottom left-hand corner. So... I don't know. When did Amazing Spider-Man come out? When is the 30th anniversary of Amazing Spider-Man? I don't know. 1992, probably. Okay, so this is probably in 1992. Yeah, okay. That's fair. <laughs> I also feel like that cover coincides with kind of Jim Lee's hotness. Uh, yeah, that would, that would probably make sense. So maybe this is around the time that X-Men number one is coming out or something. Oh, yeah. And it could be like, your introduction to Jim Lee. Here's his old stuff. Or so this issue. should should be noted that Jim Lee's first issue is not his first full ongoing. Like he's not the regular artist yet. Mike right. Silvestri will be back. He's a he's a fill-in and and a good fill-in. And this yeah, is sure. this isn't really while the issue's a little jumbly as we'll talk about, it's not a filler issue, I don't think. I can't remember. Yeah. <laughs> We're about to find out. So anyways, we turn the page and we get a, a two-page spread of the Reavers, but it's a different kind of band of Reavers. We get uh, Bonebreaker, he's back, Skullbuster, and Pretty Boy, but joining the Reavers is Donald Pierce, Lady Deathstrike, Reese, Mackin, and Cole. And if I recall correctly, Reese, Mackin, and Cole were Hellfire Club goons. I remember Reese and Cole. I don't remember Macon. Okay, and I but but I think Macon was in the issue where Lady Deathstrike and those three guys hunted down Wolverine and the Power Pack, uh, Katie from the Power Pack. Yeah, uh, Barry Windsor Smith's issue number two hundred five. It's good. Okay. It's good ish. And Look I think I feel like it was just Macon and Reese and not Cole, but I could be wrong about that. I, it's been a while since we read that. 
It's been a while. It's been a while. Anyways, uh, yeah, they're they're they want to kill Wolverine, and it turns out that the Wolverine that was killed on the first page was a cyborg practice Wolverine, if you will. I suspect the real thing won't be so easy to kill, says Pretty Boy. Wolverine's bones are laced with adamantium. They can't be broken, he tells an unknowing audience. <laughs> yeah. Um, it makes sense that Donald Pierce, Lady Deathstrike, Reese, Macon, and Cole want revenge for Wolverine. Less so for Skullbuster, Bonebreaker, and Pretty Boy. But Well, they want revenge on the X-Men. They're just along with the, for the ride. They just want their... Uh... They want their hideout back. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe. I don't know. Although Donald Pierce does say, we all have reason to hate the X-Men, Eureka, and this X-Man in particular. That is why I banded us together. So I don't know. Maybe Wolverine like really upset the apple cart when they, uh, maybe he stabbed somebody. Yeah. The, uh, the three Reavers that weren't pushed through the siege perilous, they're like, I hate those X-Men, especially that Wolverine. <laughs> Maybe it was like Wolverine's catty lines as they went through. You guys are wimps. Go through the siege perilous. <laughs> and they were like, ooh, that Wolverine will get him back. Yeah, man. So they're they're planning to kill the Wolverine. But before we can touch on that story, we have to go to Australia and uh, see what, what's up with Longshot. Longshot's having a dream. Um it's it's uh it's it's pretty trippy. Yeah. He sees a dazzler, he flies in and he's like, Dazzler, I didn't know you could fly. Ha <laughs> You know, uh uh kind of on an unrelated note, uh and not even because of the long shot voice and parody, but I changed my Facebook profile to a portrait of Alf. <laughs> Any particular reason? No. Is there like some sort of anniversary of Elf that I don't know about? Is there an Elf movie coming out? Uh, well, I mean, there's a little bit of a backstory. There's a there's an episode of The Simpsons where Bart Simpson trades his soul for um, what does he trade his soul for? Money, I think. He trades his soul to uh, Millhouse, maybe for money. I can't remember, but. Uh, and then all of a sudden these bad things start happening to him. And so he's like, oh my gosh, uh, Lisa convinces him that he needs his soul back. So he says, Milhouse, I need my soul back. And he's like, I don't have it. I traded it for, uh, I traded it to the comic book guy for Pogs. Alf Pogs. Alf is back in Pog form. And that's kind of funny. And then, you know, blah, blah, blah. The rest of the episode happens. Well, fast forward however many years beyond that episode to this past Christmas my friend gives me an envelope and says, here's your Christmas present. And I open it up and inside of it is a piece of paper that says Bart Simpson's soul. And it's coupled with a bunch of elf pogs. And I was uh. like, this is super funny. And then uh, I framed it and I put it in my office as like a, uh, what do you call it? Like a, not a mobile, but like a um, shadow box or whatever you want to call it. And I put it in my office uh, and that got me thinking about elf. And then I was sitting at home one day and I was like, I'm going to change my profile pic to elf. <laughs> so there you go had someone giving me that gift i would have been like what the hell man <laughs> what the hell is this no he's like do you get it and i was like yeah of course i get it i wouldn't have got it i i, I used to consider myself a simpsons buff not so much anymore but watched a lot of simpsons anyways uh yeah long shot he's he's uh dazzler shows up flying an orchestra shows up and the band uh in the or- the orchestra players are the x-men Wolverine does not appear to know how to play his violin or viola or whatever it is, but he's there. 
He looks like he's squatting. I don't think it's that he doesn't know how to play it. It's that he doesn't have a chair or he doesn't know how to sit in a chair or he just won't stand upright. I'm well, not sure what's going on there. If you look at it, it's kind of like Wolverine isn't touching the neck. And so the, the and it's big. So it kind of looks like a viola. It kind of looks like he's just got it wedged between his chin and his chest. And that's the only way it's staying upright. And then he's pointing his bow outward. Well, he doesn't. That's is that a bow or is that one of his claws that is just super long? I'm gonna go with bow, but uh, extra points if it actually is a claw because that would be way more clever. Uh, if Psylocke is there and she is evilly playing the harp, she's just all in shadows. Uh, Storm is playing the um, flute. Colossus, what instrument is Havoc playing? That's I think, what I want to know. I think he's playing a bassoon. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> it's the world's thinnest bassoon. Yeah, it's a it's a weird orchestra, but it's an orchestra. Uh and so Dazzler's like, Hey, you wanna dance? And she's like, What what's happening? Ha! Ah, the X Men are playing the music. And then Rogue comes up and uh goes straight through her back, uh Dazzler's back, um, and becomes Dazzler. And in the next panel, Rogue has just her, her arms plus one Dazzler arm wrapped around long shot. She says, now it's my turn. Go with the flow, sugar. Ain't that what you do best? You know what? Uh, this is probably the 10th time I'm reading this issue and the second time for this podcast. But it's the first time I've noticed that there are multiple arms coming out of this figure with each person that joins it. I believe that's leading up to something. I think you're right, but I don't think I... I, I it's a good thing we're doing this episode again because I, d- I don't think I noticed this before. And I'm not sure Look that you us. called Putting it out. together pieces. Yeah, man. I don't think I called it out either. <laughs> Ricochet Rita, she jumps out from the ceiling and kind of jumps into the Rogue Dazzler amalgamation. And, and now there's like six arms coming out of this thing. Oh, six arms. Yeah, what Whoa. about that? <laughs> so you know the next thing that's going to happen is that it's going to be spiral. And it does. And uh, Longshot says, why do you have six arms? Huh? <laughs> that's pretty clever. And I can't I can't believe I've missed it all these years. Yeah, but Ricochet, Rita, Rogue, and Dazzler turns into Spiral. Uh, spiral goes to cut Longshot. And um, she's like, I'm flattered you remember, no less than enraged that you don't remember enough. Whatever that means. Well, and I think we've had this conversation before, you know, the neat idea that I think you and I came up with is that in Longshot's timeline, all of this is happening before the events of Longshot Limited series, which happens in the past timeline of the Marvel Universe. Yeah. It's kind of like, you know, the Doctor and River Song moving in opposite directions. I like to think of it that way. I don't know if that's actually what anybody intended or if nobody cares. I think it's neat. <laughs> yeah. So It makes sense. And I don't I mean, know. I don't in a, in a weird sort of timey wimey, yeah, wobbly way. Wibbly wobbly timey wimey way. That's Absolutely. what I was trying to say. <laughs> um what I uh yeah, yeah, I don't know if we came up with that or if that was a fan uh, conjecture or or what? I think we but... came up with that. What we, we did have a fan t- tell us that Spiral and Ricochet Rita were the same, which may or may not happen at some point in the chronology. But we pointed out 
last episode, which is not the last episode we recorded, but the episode that we recorded four weeks ago that I think is out now. Uh, yeah, it should be out now. Uh, where Ricochet Rita and Spiral are in the same issue and Spiral recrafts Ricochet Rita as the agent. Oh, yeah. The yeah. Excalibur thing. Yeah. Mojo Mayhem. Yep. Yeah, that one. Yep. So it, at that point, we decided they're definitely not the same, or at least Chris Claremont doesn't realize they're the same yet. Yeah. He just doesn't know yet. Yeah. Uh, so Spiral teleports behind a long shot and rips his spine out. As you do. Yep. Let's see how well you prance the light Fandango without a spine to carry you. And that's when the long shot turns into a spineless Mojo-ite and says, hey, uh, glad to be without, got, glad to be rid of that old spine, silly spiral. Twisted so tight you forgot for all the dancers art. It's the choreographer who calls the tune. And um, long shot Mojo's tail has shoots a bunch of flechettes and essentially kills uh, Spiral and she slowly fades back to Ricochet Rita and then Rogue and then Dantzler and they all say no matter what happens the next person you always kill and then Rogue the one and then Dazzler you, you love is he a Mojoite and I'm kind of thinking like Mojoite as in like a Xenobite or a Cenobite? <laughs> was it a Xenobite or a Cenobite? Yes. I don't remember. But you know what I'm talking about, right? Pinhead and uh, Hellraiser movies. Oh, now I do. Oh, okay. But that's I not... Didn't, I, I didn't before you said that, though. Oh, that's not actually the question I wanted to ask. Uh, are we sure that he doesn't, like, turn into Mojo? Or like well, just... we don't know because when we... Uh, I think he's just possessed by Mojo because when you zoom into his eyeball in the next panel, Mojo's inside of his eyeball and he says, how can that be, my dead decaying darlings? I'm still here. And then the panel is surrounded by all of Elf's signatures, Ha's. Ha! 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 Oh, can you ha. imagine that? A, c- a cacophony of Elf laughter? <laughs> I'm sure there's a YouTube video out there. <laughs> You know what what I my pitch is now? I, I think the world is ready for this. Be flat. Uh, what? No. Uh I think the world is ready for an Alf reboot on Netflix. But like a serious one? Oh, dark and it's it's like Breaking Bad Alf. <laughs> Drama, drugs, death, murder, betrayal. Alf. Alien crash lands into a human family and gets them into all sorts of dark shenanigans. <laughs> dark shenanigans. That's what the first episode is called. <laughs> dark shenanigans. <laughs> yeah. And then uh, every episode or almost every episode features Alf gruesomely eating a cat. <laughs> <laughs> Just tearing it limb from limbs like, I can't control myself. But, by the end of the first episode, he murders all of the family, and then he has to move on to another family. Nah, I feel like he starts up like a detective agency, is ultimately <laughs> what happens. I don't think the family dies. The family cat gets eaten. Uh, they agree that they can never come to an agreement. Uh, and and so Wait, they agree that they can never come to an agreement? Yeah. Then they just agreed, Jeremy. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. Uh, yeah, they're an inconsistent bunch, but <laughs> nevertheless, they the first episode you expect them to live with that family, 
uh, and teach them lessons and, and moral things and whatnot. But by the end of the episode, they're like, he enslaves them to work at his detective agency. No, <laughs> no. But he, he, he takes on detective cases uh, where other aliens are involved in causing mischief. But again, it's dark. <laughs> Doesn't sound dark. Hey, you get the right writer in there. You can make any concept dark. Okay. Black comedy is what it is. Mm. Mm-hmm. I see. Like Academy Award winning Parasite. Oh, yeah. I actually watched that uh, yesterday afternoon prior to the Oscars. Uh, that was timely. Yeah. Not really real. I, 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 I'm glad I watched it before the Oscars because they won every Oscar and I probably would have been like, I don't get it. <laughs> Why did this win all the Oscars? But having watched it and then seeing the Oscars, I don't know, gave me a different perspective. And I was like, yeah, give it to them. All right. Although I wanted they made a, a movie. Yeah. I wanted uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood to win more things. I still haven't seen that. Ah, oh, it's good. It's good. So if they had won more things, I would be like, I don't get it. <laughs> Maybe. Uh, pa- Parasite was you. you uh, I I didn't actually know what to expect since it's Boong John, whatever his name is, uh, and he typically has done monster movies. Yeah, I was expecting this to be a monster movie. Well, don't spoil it. Okay, I think I feel like it's the type of movie where the less you know about it, the better. That's a good point. All right, I'm gonna leave it right there. All right, anyways, Storm. Uh, now we flip over to Storm. She's sitting next to Gateway uh, and his fire on top of his. But <laughs> she is noting that that laughter so faint, it's almost imagination, cold and cruel beyond all comprehension. Sounds like elf. <laughs> uh, where am I? The last I remember I was in my own bed. Gateway, did you bring me here? Why won't you talk to me? Why are you looking at me? What are you looking at? And she looks over her shoulder and she sees a ghostly long shot picking up a piece of arm and it's like a crazed long shot. It's like, oh boy, oh boy, oh boy, look what I found. Isn't it great? And uh, she's like, this isn't a dream. It's a nightmare. Gateway, why are you tormenting me? Why are you tormenting the boy? Oh, uh, and he finds his arm and he puts it on his ghostly self. There's a nose laying on the ground. There's a hand. There's a kneecap. Uh, Storm walks towards long shot and he's like, no, no, no. You might step on something. I'm searching for pieces of myself. So Storm isn't actually there because she does say that she knows that her bed is still in, or her body is still in bed. Longshot, come with me. None of this is real. Uh, the ghostly version of Longshot is, doesn't have an eye, which is weird. Well, he, he's got that star eye, right? So he's just missing the star eye. I guess. I, is it a star eye? I always just thought it was like a, a twinkle. Like, he has two eyes. Doesn't it only twinkle when he uses his luck powers or something? I don't know. Probably. Yeah, he's missing an eye. He's missing uh, a lot of things. He's missing a nose, too. Yeah, well, he finds a nose on the ground, and he puts it on his face, which is a nice little touch. He has a hand that he puts onto his arm, but for some reason we can kind of see, like, like the bloody stump where it connects. So I, I don't know if that means, like, the hand itself is transparent. I like to think that that's what it means. I think that's what it means. Either that or he's missing a wrist chunk. Yeah, I don't think it's missing a wrist chunk. Although it looks like he has a shin and a kneecap. So maybe. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, the shin is weird. (laughs) I never noticed that before, to be honest. And it could just be a coloring issue. Who knows? 
where do I, where did I come from? What's my purpose? I do not know. Since your life seemed lived entirely for the moment, those are the terms on which we dealt with you. Somehow, that seemed natural. That's but it. There's no, nothing more to it. Yep. Is that enough, Storm, for me to be a real person? So he, he also. And Storm says, ah. Oh, probably. He also reflects on that power, his his ability to touch things and gain like a history, whatever that power is called. And he says, everyone I touch, everything too, has a history, a sense of where it came from and why it was created, but not me. Why don't I have memories? Life be, life for me began when I popped into the X-Men's old danger room. So, I mean, that could, he, he either was mind wiped or things work weird on Mojo's planet or the time, the space transfer wiped his mind or the chronology of his timeline is just different than ours. I don't know. When he comes into the long shot limited series, doesn't he also have a wiped memory? I feel like it, yeah. Yeah, so that's kind of just his thing. Yeah. Whenever he shows up, it's fresh. Well, Adam, I recall that in Jim Lee's run of the X-Men, he drew like a two-page spread of things to come. And I think one of those elements was a long shot. So, so maybe we'll find out after that in X-Men that Jim Lee draws. You know. <laughs> <laughs> so... So Jim Lee lasts for like what ten issues? Oh, I think um, it's like thirteen. He lasts and, like a whole year. And in that time, I mean, Longshot doesn't come back. Spoilers, but I'm sure in the six hundred issues that follow, Longshot at some point comes back. I have Scotta. no idea. I have no idea. Scotta. <laughs> Too many holes for a person to be whole there has to be more of me somewhere he says he gives storm a hug and he's off to go find i think metaphorically he's off to find himself well no he's he's leaving the team yeah 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 oh sorry if that's not clear he's leaving the team he's on walkabout whatever you want to call it uh in the dream he's going to go find pieces of himself but i feel like that's a metaphorical i have to go find myself and we talked about this in draft one of the uh, episode (laughs) but there really is no like, and then long shot, just like Wolverine left to go pursue his own adventure. They're just kind of right. like, eh, long shot left or long shot's yeah. gone. I don't even know that they address like how or why he leaves. I don't want to leave Storm. You're my friends, but I can't be your friend till there's an all of me to be. Huh? Yeah. And then he's just gone. We never see him leave, like you say. And uh, is it acknowledged in this issue or the next issue where they say long shot left? I think it's the next issue. G willikers. But but I mean, bottom line, this is it. This is your farewell for a while, maybe even forever of long shot. And it's it's uh, it's weird. I mean, I guess he came in. He's leaving the X-Men just as he came to the X-Men. It's only really weird because it's not very uh concrete what's happening yes because it's not you know i think throughout the years of the x-men there's always been like odd dreams or odd adventures but then there's generally an explanation of like what happened and then this case no this just just long shot i mean this is just like the next thing you know long shot is gone and you're like oh that's what that meant and now i only realize it because you told me it later. Yeah. Whereas there, there should be like one more panel where a storm like says, bye or yeah. something where she addresses the team and says, team, I have bad news or I don't know anything, but 
Anyways, we flip our attention over to Nanny and Orphan Maker, and they've got like a little holographic Vizzy screen, and they're viewing um, different incarnations of the X-Men. And they apparently already know that Longshot's gone because he's not in the current incarnation. Yeah. Peter, or Orphan Maker, as his name is, he says they're scary. Well, they should be. See what life has done to these poor mutants, Peter? Force them to cast aside their humanity until they're no longer people but living weapons? Legends? He does. Uh, Lanny does say somewhere that she is not able to uh, capture them with her cameras. She had to do some sort of... Well, it's on the next page. Fascinating. I know they're about. I saw them when I made my personal reconnaissance, yet they appear completely cloaked from all forms of electronic detection. The cruelest hurts are often the ones hidden inside of us. They'll be slain as well if we don't do something. Like it or not, we're going to save the X-Men, is what Nanny says, more or less. Um, the X-Men are in deadly danger. Yeah, we are going to save them, whether or not whether they want us to or not. Yeah, and that's when uh, uh, Orphan Maker says, Bahaw, we can't even see him on our TVs. So, uh, Psylocke, mm-hmm. we cut we cut to Psylocke, and she's swimming in her frilly bathing suit. She is. Which is kind of like a cross between a real bathing suit and a negligee. Yeah, it has like the negligee, lacy kind of boob and butt area. Is this like a real bathing suit? Is this a thing? I don't know. To me, it looks like a cross between a one-piece bathing suit and a nightie. I am not a uh, aficionado on women's bathing suits, so I don't. I really don't know if this is if she's just swimming in her nightie or what's going on here. Maybe it's a teddy. <laughs> <laughs> she she swims in her purple and pink teddy. Well, at any rate, she gets ambushed by Nanny. When when the wind blows, the cradle will rock. When the bow breaks, the cradle will fall. And I think this is the same, probably the same pool that's by the computer. It's it's underground. Yeah, this is the pool that um, I think uh, Jubilee Jubilee was fought the the cyborg dog. Yeah, yeah, I think you're right. And down will come Psylocke. What the devil? X Men and all. Her eyes open wide because um, now she sees a a real life nanny, not a robot. And uh, she says, nanny. And then she slowly starts shrinking into a small child. What? Oh, I see. Nanny is, I think, folding up or doing something to Psylocke's armor and cape, I think. Uh, yes, but also I think that's also the robot suit. Or is there like a basket there? Is, there, is this a picnic? I don't know. I don't know. I feel like it's, I don't know. It's all purple, so it's hard to determine like what what stops and what starts and what piece of what is what. So yeah, there's what looks like a picnic basket and nanny as a nanny is holding, I don't know, maybe a cape, maybe a picnic blanket, maybe a towel. Hard to tell. And so she already has Psylocke believing that she's a little girl, but just to... Uh, continue the ruse she throws nanny powder in her face she says and says i've got you some i've got some lovely new clothes would you like to try them on she says nanny powder nanny powder <laughs> <laughs> and uh that dazzler psylocke is like i oh yes please i'd like that ever so very much 
Meanwhile, a very sweaty, a very tan, and a very hot Havoc and Dazzler are running, and they're very into their bodies and their physique. Well, you know, they're 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 looking good, so I guess oh, I guess I, I would be too if I wasn't. They they are looking good and they absolutely know that they are looking good. Cheer up, hot bodge, uh, Dazzler says to Alex. Uh Havoc says this, I guess, is your clue, right? Didn't think I'd miss Longshot so much. First rogue, now him, and Wolvie's off Lord knows where. So I guess it's been like a couple days or something. I don't know. Yeah. There's no real... Uh, it's the next day? Next I... morning. The The weird thing here with Dazzler, and I, I want to point this out, is she looks like she's been basking in the Australia sun with tanning lotion. Yes, which is which is fine. Not sunblock, it... but like tanning oil. <laughs> uh, I have a story about this. Uh, we have this lake near us that's a man-made lake called Lake Ripley. And it's, you know, when there's like blue-green algae and all the other lakes are kind of gross, it's probably the best thing to swim in. Everything else is basically like poison because <laughs> that's the new normal. But anyways, uh, we were there. And uh, there was this guy, kind of a muscly-looking guy, like maybe five, four, five, six, kind of a short guy, but still like built, muscly. And uh, he kept having his bros put on suntan lotion, but I think he thought it was sunscreen. And you could just okay. tell throughout the day he was getting browner and browner <laughs> and browner. And he's like, bros, guys, you got to put some more of that stuff on me. Oh, it burns so bad. And and as they're slathering on more suntan lotion, not screen, but tanning lotion, every time they touch him, he's like, oh, it hurts. It hurts so bad. And as he was kind of like walking back to the beach, like his friends, his bros were kind of snickering like, they were setting this poor guy up to like just destroy his skin. Oh, that's terrible. I felt bad. I was like, I don't know who these people are, but that guy is really brown. Uh, and that's what this panel reminds me of. <laughs> Kinda. I wouldn't mind it if it was consistent with the next couple of issues, but very shortly she will lose this tan. And it's it's um, it's weird because like in the first panel you could be like, okay, Dazzler's in the shadow and Havoc's in the sun. No big deal. That's why there's a coloring difference but they maintained it through the issue and it's uh dazzler's like almost as black as storm it's an odd choice and i i i don't i get i don't like get what the colorist is the colorist a different colorist and then they just change the next couple of, in the next couple of issues or something it's it's glennis oliver so i think it's consistent colorist i i guess what however much time passes between this issue and the next issue is enough is however much time it takes someone to lose their tan entirely. I, I wonder if just like the notes on this issue were like, Havoc and Dazzler are just hot. Like not like physically hot. Well, physically hot, but not like temperature hot. And so Jim Lee's like, all right, muscles, tone, figure. Uh, whoever's inking is like, yep, let's highlight these things. And the colorist is like, hmm, yeah, super tan, hot. It makes sense with Dazzler's character, and I really don't have a problem with it, except that they lose it in the next issue or the next couple of issues. So it's just like, why do it if you're not going to do it consistently? Because it fits with Dazzler's character. She probably would get a tan. And they don't even really address it of like, man, Dazzler, you're tan. 
<laughs> but uh, yeah, it's it's a minor point, but it's just weird. Uh, yeah, yeah. So I don't really care one way or the other. But as they're running, uh, oh, and you get this nice panel of like Havoc's lips and his stubble and sweat beading off of his nose. And that's when Dazzler's like, cheer up, hot bod. Whatever comes our way, we can bet we've got the pizzazz and style to handle it. Right? You can tell right away that Jim Lee likes drawing poses. Oh, yeah. Oh, these are poses. To these be are sure. like model poses. Yeah. And their feet. They're really good feet. <laughs> <laughs> Unlike some people. Anyways, Havoc is running and he falls. Like, how is that even possible? Somehow he falls off a cliff. Like, how do you not <laughs> see the cliff? He's so focused and like, I'm so hot right now and muscly. I fell. And it turns out. I guess Dazzler stops on a dime. Alex oh rolls down the hill and uh, they discover Nanny's uh, ship, but they don't know that it's Nanny's ship. What you found? A ship. Some derelict kind of by the ship, look of it. I guess. And it's got like these, it's got like a, <laughs> it's got a doorway that's made out of fangs, which immediately <laughs> should tell you like, I don't know, this thing looks like it eats things. We should probably not go into it. But now they, they go into it. But they totally go in. Uh, I da- gave a mental yell to Psylocke, uh, Havoc says, just because Dazzler says we should notify the others. Yeah. And somehow they both get trapped in the door when it closes, and they're on top of each other. And I don't know how, because it looks like they both entered the thing, the uh, the, the ship completely. But then in the next panel, the door closes on both of them. It's a really weird panel, uh, and you can't... I don't, you don't really get a sense of where anything is, but to me, it kind of looks like they walked in. Then for some reason they fell backwards and as they're falling backwards, the door closes on them, but forms around their bodies, trapping them. And in the one panel, they're in the middle of the door. And then in the next panel, they're at the bottom of the door. So the door kind of let them slide down and it's a metal door. Or at least it looks like it's a metal door, unless it's like T-1000 metal. It's unstable uh, alien metal molecules. And uh, Peter, uh, uh, Orphan Maker, is there, and he says, Oh boy, oh boy, oh boy, it worked, Nanny, just like you said it would. We clobbered him easy. So they're all taken out. Uh, Colossus is, he's checking out the kitchen, and he's like, This is very strange. There are less supplies here than there should be. Either some of us are eating like pigs, or a... And he gets punched. And as he as he uh, gets punched, he shouts, Jubilee! Yeah. Yes, I think the implication here is that Jubilee's been stealing from the pantry, and we're acknowledging it in this issue. Uh, and now we see that Psylocke and uh, Havoc and Dazzler all have similar outfits to Orphan Maker in that they have big robotic Outfits actually, Dazzlers and Havocs are the same, just different colors. Is it just me, or in this opening panel when Dazzler comes in in the robot suit and says, "Playtime's over, Colossus"? Does she not look like kind of a a bigger Ed two hundred nine with arms? Yeah, a little yeah, bit. Yeah, like the head kind of looks like an Ed two hundred nine head. Looks like it's got a little bit more speed to it, though. Yeah, and this- it can probably go upstairs. This is one of those issues that uh, when I read as a kid was kind of a connector issue where I was like, kind of this issue and the next two issues 
just kind of like skimmed and to get to the rest of the story. So I never really read like the fact that these are Psylocke, Dazzler, and Havoc. <laughs> and in fact, actually, is this pink one is it Dazzler or is that Psylocke? Uh, oh yeah, no, one, she's, she's the the, the, per, the purple one is Psylocke. Yeah, the pink one is Dazzler. The blue one is Havoc. Yeah. Okay. So I, when I said the ED two oh nine, I meant uh, Psylocke. But anyways, even though like it's right there out in front where Colossus is like that voice, it is Psylocke. Like I guess yeah. I wasn't big into reading uh, thought balloons because <laughs> I don't know. I just kind of read these issues but never really processed them. I was like, oh, next issue. So you thought the X Men got attacked by robots? What did you think happened to Psylocke and Havoc and Dazzler? I don't know. <laughs> Stasis, knocked out, who knows? Who knows what I thought, however many years ago that was. Uh, Colossus gets knocked up into the air where Storm just happens to be flying by, and she says, fancy meeting you here, Peter. And he says, no time for jokes, Storm, we are under attack. Something has happened to Dazzler and Havoc and Psylocke. So he... Gets he gets the little Psylocke uh, butterfly effect over his face. Psylocke she is, does too. She's she's got yeah. They both do. Yep. Psylocke trying to use the tel- telepathy against those two remaining X Men. She's saying, "Come down, dears." Nanny must be obeyed. No, says Storm. Well, and that's when Colossus, I guess, gets taken over by Psylocke and starts choking Storm out. This is for your own good. And so she lightning blasts him. I decide what is for my own good, little brother. And then we cut to Jubilation Lee, who is... Uh, Adam, we don't know that her name is anything but Jubilee. Oh, okay. Spoilers. <laughs> we cut to Jubilee. I feel like that was like a big reveal that was like a huge letdown. You think so? Like, what's your real name? Jubilation Lee. And you're like, oh, fucking really? <laughs> She's got uh, she's got a dazzler sleeve. She's got a rogue sleeve. Um, somehow she has half of rogue's pants. Not really sure whose hoodie she's wearing. If it is a hoodie, maybe it's like a vest. She's kind of an amalgamation of most of the X Men. Not all, but oh, it's Psylocke's pants. I see. Yeah. Okay. Armor pants, uh, and she's stealing like a classic sausage link. <laughs> one like where did the x-men get this and two why is she why would she go for that yeah oh wow look at all this sausage i feel like that's a thing that you need to process oh, in order to eat i don't know when you go to a deli and you just see those sausages hanging i think those are suitable for eating and i i think they're salted and smoked and i think you can just leave them out for weeks on end I think you don't. You need to at least like have a knife to chop them so that you can like peel oh, them this or is, something. This is jubilee. She just just digs right in, just starts chewing okay. away at those sausages. Yeah, she got maybe some bottles of soda there. So sausage and soda. Mm mm mm. What a life. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and she sees, um, she sees nanny. Nanny sees her, and uh, they have like a little fight uh, in which. Nanny attempts to do uh, nanny powder, but um, Jubilee is actually able to find a fan and rebuff the nanny powder back to Nanny, uh, and Nanny falls down. And if down. you're going to start throwing things, catch some of Jubilee's fireworks, and she throws some of her fireworks, her, her mutant firework power at her. 
Nanny's in trouble. Storm hears it. Uh, Orphan Maker hears it. And he's like, I'm coming, Nanny. Are you hurt? Hurry, my precious. We're coming too fast as we can, say Havoc and Dazzler in unison. And uh, she, Nanny is laying on her back like a turtle. She can't get up. Uh, uh, she can't right herself. And uh, Peter goes in, or uh, Orphan Maker goes in to uh, right her, but Storm who is now manipulating Colossus with her wind power, throws Colossus into uh, Overmaker, which comically spins uh, Nanny. Yeah, and it's it's like a cartoon spin. <laughs> that, that's the noise it's making for sure. There's there's legs everywhere, and you, know, you just see a blur of Nanny spinning. I feel ill. Have I stopped spinning? Why won't everything else? Oh, dear, oh, dear. Scanning systems totally disoriented. Storm's the only one still free. This must be her doing. Peter was hit so hard. If he's been hurt, I shall be so very, very cross. Storm's flying around. She sees uh, Havoc and Dazzler running to Nanny's aid, but she makes thunder, which slows them down. I guess they're afraid of thunder. Uh, to, uh, yeah, that's a good question. Why does that work? Some appropriate thunder should slow them down. Boom, and then they fall backward. So that's some pretty. I don't know. Does Does Chris Claremont not know how thunder works? Apparently not. Psylocke grabs her with a uh, super Mister Fantastic arm and pulls her to the ground, and then attempts to uh, overpower her with another psionic assault. Reduce me in my own mind to a childhood state totally dependent on this nanny person. Select powerful cannot withstand for long. So in her uh, defense, she just tries to, oh, she, she sucks. Uh, she uses the wind uh, to make Dazzler and um, Havoc cold. And mm-hmm. also the ground turns to ice. And then she pulls them towards herself and Psylocke, and the three, the Psylocke and Havoc and Dazzler all crash together. I can't stop myself, gangway! So much for these armed warriors that only leaves Orphan Maker. Orphan Maker is, has not helped Nanny get upright, which is weird. Yeah, and, and then the last time we saw Orphan Maker, he was unconscious. Now he's conscious. And now he's outside. So he got up, ignored Nanny... Shot a couple pew-pew blasts at uh, Storm. Maybe he was, like, uh, about to get Nanny up, and Nanny was like, no, 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 go out there and help them. Then come back and help me. But then he calls her him back. Peter, to my well, side, hurry. She forgot about Colossus, who is now no longer under their sway. Get uh, away from her, you metal meanie. You are one to talk, comrade. Fly away, Peter. Fly us home. We're giving up, Nanny. I mean, we got three of them. Tomorrow, really, I think day. they got none of them. Well, they, th- yeah, you're right, because they're they're abandoning everybody. Huh? Maybe they think that the other robot X Men won't lose sway and they can just come back and get them. Not sure, but anyways, Storm is like, no, not without answering to the X Men creature for this attack, and she flies up uh, to do something to the spaceship that. Uh, Orphan Storm Maker. is using her weather powers to try to force us down, says Nanny. Yeah. Uh, St- Orphan Maker and Nanny are trying to escape, and uh, 
that's when they they release the mechanical tendrils to hold on to Storm. And then Nanny says, with the video components I purloined from their own computers, the X-Men are no longer invisible to us. Struggle as you wish, Storm. Now that Nanny has you, she'll never let you go. When were those video components purloined? I guess maybe when they knocked out Psylocke. Before Nanny saw Jubilee, she was in the computer room purloining components. <laughs> you say that because you are speculating or because you know it or because it's the only thing that makes sense? Uh, a little bit of, what were my options? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I'm speculating. Okay. I'm speculating. Uh, so, so Colossus, he comes and helps uh, Havoc out of his outfit or his robot suit, which is kind of smashed. And he's like, oh, nanny, head like mush. And he sees Storm kind of silhouetted with the nanny bug spaceship. He's like, oh, Storm's in danger. What am I supposed to do? Obey nanny. X-Men in trouble. Got to do something. And so, so he's still he's still a little bit cloudy. Storm looks like a like a, a smaller insect being attacked by a bigger insect. Yeah, and I'm almost curious, like, with his dialogue being, what am I supposed to do? I wonder if he's still reduced to a childhood state, but kind of coming back to being Alex Summers. Yeah, I think so. Because, you know, when when somebody says, obey nanny, they're clearly yeah. a little bit confused. X-Men in trouble, got to do something. So he fires off a shot at the ship. And Colossus, uh, for some reason, says, Havoc, no, I'm not sure why. Havoc, no. I nailed it. The ship's going down. And somebody. I think it's Col. No, nope. it's, who is it? It's it must a- be da- it's da- Dazzler, because yeah. Colossus and Psylocke are in the foreground. But what about Storm? Psylocke- Didn't you see the cover, says Colossus? <laughs> Psylocke size scans with full intensity, no signs of Nanny or Orphan Maker or Storm. Havoc's like, oh my God, what have I done? Default is his much mind over it, somehow. Don't know how that's true, but okay. <laughs> I should not have helped you out of your robot. <laughs> Let go of me before, I'll before blast I blast you, you too. too. That's that's kind of unnecessary, Havoc. Come on. Well, I think they're kind of establishing, you know, a mental shift or change in Havoc, and yeah, yeah. Uh, Dazzler's like, cut it out. We got to find Storm. Uh, we got to look for her. And Salak says, "There's no need, Allison." We found her. Just like on the cover. Except on the cover, I'm wearing my outfit and not a swimsuit. And there's da- uh, Storm in the foreground on some debris, uh, and she's dead. Havoc and Dazzler embrace. No, they don't say. Next issue, sisters. Uh, pretty crazy, huh? Sisters. You got... You got Havoc leaving the team. Long shot. Long shot leaving the team. <laughs> Rogue blasted into the Siege Perilous. Storm is dead now. It's almost like somebody's trying to reimagine this team. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That or, or, somebody also sent Chris Claremont off to his own limited or uh, unlimited series? Yeah, maybe. Who knows? We'll see. We'll see. Although, you know, it could be neat if, if they decided to be like, nope, Storm's, that's it. Like, curtains, that we're moving on without Storm. Spoilers, that's what happens. <laughs> yeah. Well, anyways, yeah, that's uh, that's uh, X-Men number 248. Show is. Yep. Uh, no. For the second time. For the second time for some of us. 
Uh, no, no emails or anything for the second time. Well, we don't know. I no, mean, I do. <laughs> I'm, I'm looking at the uh, old show notes. Okay, good. So yeah, we're not missing out on any letters, folks. Know that even if you write to us and we read your email on the show and we lose the episode, we'll know if we did it and we'll just reread it. Ooh. So dodge the bullet there. But if you want to let us know what you think of our second take, because you have no context, <laughs> reach out to us at www.xmenpodcast.com, facebook.com forward slash Danger Room Podcast. You can follow us on Twitter at Danger Room Go, or you can email us, Danger Room at xmenpodcast.com. You can go out to iTunes and subscribe to us, leave us some feedback, give us some stars, uh, whatever you want to do. Uh, or you can go out to www.patreon.com forward slash Danger Room and subscribe to one of our fascinating Patreon levels. So fascinating. Uh, our theme music is provided by Laszlo Hollyfeld. Uh, and just a couple more things here to look at. And we're probably going to run through these really fast this time because, um, yeah, we don't really remember them that well. So our previous take was probably amazing, though. Oh, man. So much detail. <laughs> yeah, it's <just laughs> most detailed as has ever been. Uh X Factor number 44 is Judgment War Part 2. This is really tough for me to get through. This was the one that I thought was some pretty good world building. Um, they're establishing all the roles of all the different people here and all the roles that X Factor are uh, taking in hit, each of their chosen sects. Yeah, hit us up with those three sects and who's a uh, part of what they're the rejects who are the people that don't look like uh humans and beast is with them and then there are the chosen who are the people that look like humans and archangel is captured by them and iceman is a, a faction of that group that has the ability to transform between being human and being mutant-like. Um, I don't know what those guys are called. I can't remember. And then there's a third group. Um, last, I think last issue, Cyclops got stepped on, and he was like, what a way to die. Well, of course, he blasts into the ground and uh, saves himself. And then somebody finds him, and he joins the third group, who's has another name. They're, <laughs> they're people that... Uh, Oh, there we go. The Begin Agains. How, how, I would never remember that. Come on. Are the Begin Again? No, there's the Perfects? No, those are the Chosen. The Chosen, the Begin Agains. I thought those, are those are the Begin Agains the Rejects? No, the Rejects are the Rejects. Okay. The, the Begin Agains are the faction that don't uh, dis, uh, subscribe to the uh, what either the Chosen or the Rejects do, which is constantly have war with each other. They're trying to get everybody to live in peace. So there's four factions because then there's the like the changeling or whatever they call them. Well, they're part of the chosen. Oh, okay. They're kind of a subsect. Gotcha. So uh, the other interesting thing here is that one of the perfects, uh, she's got red hair and like a tiara. I can't remember her name. Uh, she gets a robot that's been collecting all these drugs and she likes these drugs, but then I guess she trades all the drugs for, uh, the baby Christopher, uh, Scott's baby. Yep. Um, 
And she kind of tucks the baby away into the robot because I guess she doesn't know quite how to explain the baby. And she's not supposed to touch anybody, but she does touch him. And she uh, she immediately falls in love with the baby. The ship has like a little di- tries to have a little dialogue with the celestial, saying like, "I've told you all the stuff I know, all about the Earth and my construction. You gotta let me go. I've told you everything." But the celestial just kind of ignores the ship, which is what celestials do. Yep, they just kind of observe. Uh, <coughs> yeah, yeah. It's it's a lot of world building. Nothing. Like, there's no action, really, which is fine. And not every issue has to have action. Um, but So, for me, it's like some good classic sci-fi. I, I appreciated it. I thought, this is pretty good. I like where this is going. It is it is the next issue, spoilers, where I fall off the cart and I'm like, what happened? <laughs> what happened to me? Um Excalibur number 12 shows Excalibur. It's part one of nine of the cross time caper. So we talked about how it was part one of nine last time. Mm -hmm. And we were all like, wow, they're really planning ahead. Uh, I did happen to look ahead. It's a, I think it ends up being a 12 parter. Holy crap. That's a year. Yeah, man. They had some stuff that they wanted to do here. Uh, it's kind of neat. Like, so the Excalibur, they got trapped on this kind of alternate world Nazi train. Uh, and so this train shows up in ye old England, except in ye old England, one of the knights has got sunglasses and a Walkman and he's rocking out. Uh, he spies Lo- um, Lockheed and he's like, oh, it's a dragon. I got to slay that dragon. And uh so he has like a little bit of a fight with the dragon uh, with Lockheed. Lockheed burns a branch, falls on his head, comedy ensues. <laughs> <laughs> uh, meanwhile, um Alistair Nope. No, Nigel Forbisher. I always get those two confused. Uh he gets they do look am- kind of similar. He gets ambushed by the gatekeeper group. So like the big baby, the the pseudopod back thing. I don't remember what their that names one's are. Body bag. Yeah, Joy Boy and Body Bag. Uh, and Joy Boy turns, or Toy Boy or Joy Boy, whatever, turns him into like Muscly Man and then into uh, Courtney Ross and then an amalgamation of Courtney Ross and a Muscly Man. Uh, and then finally, China Doll turns him into like a bull. I don't know what she does to him. She does something and then Waxworks turns him into like a balloon. Uh, and then they throw him to Gate Crasher. Gate Crasher is having a conversation with, I don't know, whatever the English equivalent of it, a senator is or the local town council. Yeah. And uh, they're making a deal for something. It's weird. It's, yeah. It's some something about the weather and how they're going to they're going to live there. Yeah. So I don't know. They meet an ogre named Butch. Butch is pretty cool. Uh, this is after uh, Shadow Cat gets captured by a real dragon and put into a giant jar next to another princess. Um, mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, there's a fight that happens. Um, the biggest thing, though, is the prince decides, like, the prince has saved Kitty and this other princess, uh, and he grabs Kitty's hand and says, I want to marry you, and I want you to be the queen of the realm. And the mm-hmm. princess is kind of like, wait, what? She's kind of like standing beside. This doesn't make sense. 
There's also a neat thing where this is happening kind of more and more where whenever Megan gets close to Nightcrawler, she kind of turns into a female Nightcrawler. Um, Captain which Britain, has, which has happened before, but yeah. this is the first time Captain Britain notices it. He notices it and kind of is like, what? And he kind of gives kind of like a sideways glance. I don't like this. Yeah. You get a fun fight between Captain Britain and the giant ogre named Butch. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. it's good stuff. So it's Alan Davis. It's all it's all pretty and it's colorful and bright. It's a good issue. Part one of nine. Yeah. The back uh the back pinup or whatever of, of Courtney Ross as a as a Nazi is kinda cool. I think it's her as a Nazi. I don't know. She doesn't have a swastika on her, but she's got like a ray gun and she's got like a military uniform. So I'm assuming she's alternate universe Nazi Courtney Ross, but I could be wrong. I think you're right. I mean, yeah, there seems to be like different worlds versions of Courtney Ross. Or is it, uh, uh, what's the evil, what's the Courtney Ross doppelganger? So Saturnine? Saturnine, or maybe it's vice versa. Courtney Ross is a doppelganger of Saturnine. I don't know. Anyways, that's what's going on there. Yeah, uh, New Mutants number 79. Uh, not a lot happens. Uh, the The team gets taken prisoner by a bunch of trolls, or I forget what, what species they are, what Lord of the Rings species they are. Goblins, trolls. Are they orcs? I don't know. Make them orcs. I'm, they could be orcs. I'm not a fantasy guy. I don't know. Um, they they fight about what they should do at that point, and Cannonball says, well, we know the leader of the orcs, so we're just going to wait until he shows up, and he'll he'll save us all. And then he shows up and saves them all, and everybody's like, okay, you're right. You're the leader. Good job, Cannonball. Uh Boom Boom has some serious PTSD in Asgard because she does not like what's going on with all of the trolls and orcs. And uh, at the very end, they get attacked by Hela's uh, uh, Valkyrie. The, the the Valkyrie are all evil now, so they're they're the evil Valkyrie. And uh, what's her face is one of them. Hmm. Um. Yeah. What is her name? She's a main character. It's really sad that I can't remember her name. Hella? No, no, no. That she, Hella's not a main character. Are you talking about uh, uh, Danny? That's da- who Danny I'm Moonstar. About. Danny Moonstar. She is. She is a Valkyrie now. That's She's right. Been yep. possessed by an evil Valkyrie, as have all the Valkyries, and now they're taking the New Mutants prisoner, and it's it's tough, man. Wolverine number eleven begins the six-part Gehenna Stone affair is written by peter david who is a pretty good wolverine writer in my opinion um i don't uh, like this... the cover of this issue oh because of uh yeah wolverine looks kind of weird but i'm okay with it his if mouth it... looks funny and it kind of looks like he's uh you don't like his mouth i think his mouth is okay it's like he's swimming he kind of looks like agent smith from the matrix yeah with wolverine hair okay <laughs> but yeah, his arms are his arms and his chest are pretty weird looking. I'll get I'll grant you that. Yeah. Anyways, um, so first the Gehenna Stone gets stolen from a uh, museum. Then we cut to Madripoor, where Archie Corrigan, who is Logan's friend or Patch's friend uh, from the Wolverine series, convinces Wolverine to, or I guess convinces Patch to go to L.A. with him 
because his brother is uh, his sister and his brother are fighting about the inheritance or something like that. And his brother has got to go to some sort of court case. And he says his brother's crazy and he wants Wolverine to go with him. Uh, Jessica Drew comes along, Spider-Woman, because she has some business to attend to in L.A. So that sets up our cast. We meet Archie's brother, Bert, who, when they when they meet him, seems pretty normal. Um, but a- after they leave, he has a piece of the Johanna stone, or it looks like all of it, but I think that changes. Anyway, um, then we cut to the day of the trial, and Bert hasn't shown up, and then he finally does show up, and he's on a horse, and he thinks he's Indiana Jones, just like Bert said, or Archie said he would be. He would be some sort of movie character. Um, and he's being chased by legitimate vampires that jump through the window. There he is. Get him. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's, this is pretty fast. It's kind of like an action movie. Yeah, it's, it's a fast-paced uh, beginning to a miniseries. Booyah. Booyah. <laughs> yep. And Marvel Comics presents number 32. We got, we got the uh, Looney Tunes versus the Excalibur, and now we're taking them on one by one, so we get uh, Kitty Pride versus uh, Sylvester the Cat, sort of. The evil Sylvester the Cat. And she wins, I think, by... What does she just... What does she do? Does she phase through him? I don't know. I don't know how she wins at all. I, did, I didn't reread this. And man, <laughs> there, there's just a lot of stuff. I'm just like flipping through it now. There's so much going on. I, um, I, I recall appreciating the art. Yeah, the art's pretty good. Yeah, it's it's uh, Eric Larson. Yeah. Oh, we talked about this. Uh, yeah, yeah. The fact that I I I like art. I I like art. I like Eric <laughs> Larson when he's not doing other people's stuff. Although arguably Excalibur is somebody else's, but I think since he's playing around with kind of uh, parodied uh, IP, if you will, it's it works really well. So Sylvester the cat is actually a robot cat. So when Kitty phases through him, it just fries his brain. Okay. And now she's off to help save Excalibur. Go get him, Kitty. Go team. All right. Well, good. That was a, that was a good second take of this episode, Adam. I think it was better than the first. Absolutely. It's longer. I feel like in the first we were like, a lot. We're just like making making weird moaning noises. Oh, so there was actually no like like actual words. It was just moaning and grunting. Yeah, it was it was just a ton like. Yeah, yeah. This is better than that. Yeah, this is definitely better than that. <laughs> so we we spared you, listeners. We saved your lives. Yeah, yeah we should. You owe us one. Yeah, yeah. Well, so uh, there you go. Uh, we we um, we did it again, everybody. <laughs> uh, well, until next time. My name is Jeremy. My name's Adam. And the Danger Room is closed again. (laughs) 